Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. Today is the second in a series of holiday episodes with my former co-host, Asha Dornfest, that I wanted to bring back out of the Locked Archives. I explained the backstory about the Locked Archives and why this was a necessary move in the episode called Tips for Mindful Holiday Gift-Giving, if you wish to have a little more context. Meanwhile, this episode originally was number 17, airing in 2015, And it was so interesting and also a little surreal to hear Asha and I talk about holidays before we had children, not only because that was a very, very long time ago, and it was kind of amazing to be reminded of how much John and I drove around during the holiday season before kids. It's honestly a little bit exhausting to even think about. And then it was wild to hear us reflect on some of the lengths we went to when our kids were babies. There's one memory I share in this episode from when Laurel was a baby. And to be reminded of that vision, wow, okay. Just pull over to the side of the road already. I hope you enjoy a chuckle at my expense when you hear this story. The other reason that I was so happy to return to this episode, because I wanted to listen and ensure that it remained evergreen today, which it does, is that it was such a good level-setting reminder for me. Just like last week's episode, Tips for Mindful Holiday Gift-Giving did, I feel like this episode met me at a time where I really and truly needed it. I've come to the realization that as I have worked on my emotional fluency and empathy over the last several years, I have really worked on seeing and meeting people where they are at, being less of an emotional robot, And this means that sometimes I have found that I try to step in too much to hold other people's needs and concerns. Now, I'm not saying you don't need to hold other people's needs and concerns, but I think in an effort to try to undo my emotional robot nature, sometimes I try to do too much, if that makes sense. 
So during a recent holiday planning conversation with John, when I was going in circles a bit about how to meet people's said needs, he gently made a comment where the visual really stuck with me. He said something like, we don't always need to be the rubber band that stretches. Just imagining that rubber band stretching to capacity, it really helped bring me back to reality. So thank you, John, for that. Anyway, all of this is an excellent reminder that editing one's life, simplifying and decluttering the stuff, the calendar, the emotional issues, it's an ongoing process. And our decision-making and the need to give ourselves permission to make choices will be colored by whatever is going on at the moment. In this episode, Asha and I share nine tips that span bigger things like permission, boundaries, and feelings to more practical issues like time and hosting. I loved revisiting this episode so much, and I hope you enjoy it and that it's helpful to you. We'll be right back. Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. So today we're going to be talking about family guilt and drama (laughs) around the holidays. Actually, I'm I shouldn't joke because the fact is that it is really uh, this is a painful topic for many people. I mean, you know, I think there are so many images of holiday cheer everywhere. But, the, you know, the sort of real internal fact for so many people is that it's a predictable sort of annual source of dread. And and that's really you know, that's really painful. And I think, you know, for some, it's just the logistical issues. You know, once you especially once you become a parent and you have young children of 
seeing many people sometimes traveling on this really compressed timeline, trying to see everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. in in this little holiday window. But for others, it comes, you know, this this period of time comes with a lot of baggage and a lot of expectations, especially with extended family. So I I think it's really, you know, we both have different perspectives on this. I'm really glad we're going to talk about it because I know you have a large family and they're all close by. I have a very small family and they're spread out. So I think let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, family expectations on the holidays and how to edit guilt out of the picture. So I, why don't we start with some context? So yeah, what was your, what was your holiday like before you had kids? Yes. Well, before I get there, let me just quickly say, I'm so glad we're talking about this because last night, knowing that we were recording this episode today, I actually had an anxiety dream about the holidays. Wow. (laughs) And like specific people barking at me and. So I, I'm I'm sharing this with our listeners just to say that, you know, we you and I, when we do this podcast, we're always living whatever the issue is. Right. I mean, we're we're also sharing and and trying to offer tips to help people get through it. And we're living it. So it's it's really, um, you know, we're all in this together is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you saying that because, you know, including when we were writing minimalist, minimalist parenting, we've never, ever been the gurus on the mountaintop. And um, <clears throat> I mean, I think the whole point really, and this is what you've always said to me, the whole point is that we're living this. And mm-hmm. that's why we feel so, you know, sort of committed to this message about, uh, you know, really connecting with yourself and what your motivations are. Anyway, I appreciate, I really appreciate you sharing that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So just, just to um, back up and just kind of share what we did before children. Um, So it's actually kind of crazy because John and my relationship actually kind of got serious when we moved to Canada together, (laughs) when I moved there for my PhD and we ended up getting engaged not long after that move. So that big relocation actually also came in line with, um, starting to celebrate hol- holidays together as a couple, which we hadn't been before. And so I will say that before kids, we basically lived in our car and every holiday um, we would drive from Canada, all over Massachusetts, down through Connecticut, New York. And it was all a little chaotic, but you know, felt doable in the way that things do when you are young and silly. <laughs> <laughs> we were young and silly once, weren't we? We were. Uh, yes. That's so funny because... Rail and I, we were married for six years before we had kids. And I find myself thinking, what did we do with all that free time? What Mm -hmm. did we do? How how did we fill our days? So back during the pre-kid years, too, there was just so much more sort of mental and scheduling space, you know, to be spontaneous and to say to yourself, okay, let's do this. And, you know, not to mention buying two air tickets as opposed to buying, you know, three, four, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the holidays were very easy for us back then. Um, and uh, let's see, I'm, I'm like recalling back. <laughs> so we at the time lived in Northern California and my family, I'm an only child. So my parents were also in Northern California and my extended family on my mom's side were in Southern California. My extended family on my dad's side is in India. So Um, In that respect, you know, that sort of made it easy in terms of traveling. But um, Rail's family was on the East Coast. Um, But we, you know, we just managed it easily enough. We'd hop on a plane and visit. And we had agreed upon times, sort of like, you know, this family we spend Thanksgiving with, that Mm -hmm. family we spend other times with. So it just felt really straightforward. 
Yeah. It was not a big deal. Uh, holidays oh, were easy. How, oh, how things change. Yeah. And, you know, they get they get more complicated, obviously, when kids arrive. I mean, joyful, too, but definitely more complicated. And personally, I think, you know, because my parents uh, are slash were, my mom is still alive, my dad is not, but um, they were a little on the older side. You know, they had me a little older. Um, I felt, uh, I have felt a lot of pressure to see aging relatives, to give them baby you know, kid FaceTime. John had um, several grandparents who all lived, you know, well into their 80s. So we were always kind of, when Laurel was a baby, always on the road. And it makes you do crazy things. And I, I just, I remember one Thanksgiving, we were, you know, driving all over Connecticut and um, we were sort of rushing to try to make the Thanksgiving dinner at one place coming from somewhere else. And I was in the backseat with Laurel. She's a baby. She's in her, strapped down in her car seat and she's wailing. And so, I actually took off my seatbelt and um, leaned over her and put a boob in her mouth because like, <laughs> I was nursing her and, oh, and like breastfed in motion while we were driving because I was like, we can't stop. We can't stop. We can't be late. Yeah. I mean, it makes you do really crazy things. It does. Um, no, I, 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 I'm sort of internally laughing, but I remember those. Dis- it's those a vision. Believe me, it's a vision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yes, indeed. Um, um, no, but I, I remember what, what it was like when, you know, when they're babies and, and, you know, it, yes, it's incredible the lengths you go to just to try to make things work. Yeah. Yeah. So how did things change for you guys with kids? Was there anything? Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, I think, you know, it, the holidays became more difficult for sort of the predictable reasons. Um, you know, first of all, there were just the logistics of, you know, that challenging reality of traveling long distance with little kids mm-hmm. um it became super expensive because it was not only you know the air tickets which you know weren't an issue in the beginning because you don't have to pay for babies but pretty soon you have to pay for them and but the other thing is it's not like um we'd also have to pay for a car because uh you know it's not like people could exactly pick up four people in their car necessarily right. just the whole thing became so much bigger and um I think the other thing that was difficult was that especially when school started, it became even more compressed. It became more expensive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those are just all the straightforward things. The wild card for me that really was the hardest was temperament. So the fact is that when um, my son Sam was little, his temperament, he just had a really hard time with transitions. He had Mm -hmm. a hard time when we disrupted his routine I mean, and that's pretty much the definition of travel. You're eating different food. You're not sleeping properly. You know, blah, blah, blah. You have to sit in cramped spaces. So he just, even though he was a good traveler and enjoyed himself, there was also lots of, you know, crying and screaming and tantrums. And it was really stressful. And let's be honest, you know, like the extended family, when they're watching your kid completely melt down on regular occasions, you know, they sort of. There were some raised eyebrows and I was very sensitive to that as well. Of course, you know, and you know, the fact is actually both of my families are pretty easy. I would say the dynamics are pretty great. And it was just, but even, even given that it was still difficult. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it just became, it just felt like there was so much expectation around the holiday. Yes. Okay. And, and we have, we have some, I think we have some really wonderful tips to help our listeners kind of figure out how to navigate all that, both kind of big picture and, and more practical as usual. So let's, uh, we're now going to share some, you know, these are our tips for really getting over guilt and also, 
feeling like you have permission to create your own family traditions. Um, and I would say that the key word in that last sentence was permission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have my first, the, the way that I would actually um, frame this is to remind you that you have permission to prioritize the needs of your little nuclear family without guilt. I think this is something that, you know, if I say that, it's like, well, sure, of course. But, you know, one of the hardest things for me about family holidays after I became a parent was sort of stepping up and realizing that I was now the parent, Mm -hmm. a parent, not just not the parent, a parent among several. So that meant I had to leave behind my very comfortable role of easygoing daughter, youngest cousin who just plugs herself into whatever plans are forming, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, you know, I now had to really look out for what my family needed. And let's just be honest, some people in my family are not easygoing and do not effortlessly plug themselves in and really had no interest in doing so. And so this was very hard for me. It didn't really mesh with our, you know, sort of longstanding family dynamics or our traditions. And this was a very hard transition. And I don't think I even realized it until I actually started thinking about it for this episode. Sort of funny now that I'm, you know, when I really had to think about it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not suggesting you bulldoze the rest of your family and it's sort of like, yeah, but this is what we need, you know, the end. But I am talking about feeling comfortable with flexibly advocating for your family's needs, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think, you know, it needs to be said that Role changes are in families and extended families are usually uncomfortable and they can cause friction. And, you know, it may even cause you to sort of mourn the loss of that previous role. I, you know, I really felt that I really felt very attached to my, you know, I'm so easygoing, you know, everything's always okay with me role. That was really a part of my identity. And so for a time, I really tried to sort of bully my husband and my kids into just going along with everyone else. Let me tell you, this was a spectacular failure. And <laughs> not only were my husband and kids usually mad at me, everybody else got mad at me, too, because it just it didn't work. And so it took time to adjust, but we did adjust. And, you know, I just had to step up and take responsibility for asking for what we needed. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah. I mean, it seems so obvious, right, that it's, you know, when you have a family, it's not just about, you know, it's not just you and and anymore but it it is hard to step out of that i remember you get in a pattern you know and i i've i have had the same situation and been in your exact situation of feeling like okay let's just do it this way this is how it's always been done but for those three other people that's not how it's always been done Mm -hmm. yeah and they're very different they might be very different people Mm -hmm. and i think that's already a hard transition inside your nuclear family is realizing that but when you add that to your extended family, it just, you know, sort of the waves of complication really mm-hmm. are there. Mm-hmm. So it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of communication and it takes a lot of grace. It's very, it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. But important. Yes, absolutely. Um, so my, my tip number two here would be to remember that attendance at a family event is not a metric of love. So I should say that I am somebody who for sure values people showing up for me. I I've always been like that. Um, but I have also realized that, you know, your attendance does not mean if you don't attend something, it doesn't mean that you don't love them. Right. So I think, you know, I I like to think of it that, you know, we're talking about a handful of days of the year here. There are plenty of other other ways and times that you can show up for people you care about. And it just kind of amazes me how many emotional layers and innuendos can cloud like a two or three hour dinner. It's sort of nuts to me. 
it, it's totally nuts. I mean, have I'm sure you've noticed this. It's not just holidays. It's sort of like weddings and births oh my goodness, of babies. Yeah. Like there are these little moments of just super intense emotions, these, mm-hmm. you know, these rituals. And I mean, I get it. They're rituals. They do have more meaning. It's not just the dinner. So mm-hmm. I, I it does make sense. But it, but it is amazing how. Yeah. Especially when you only see people a few times a year and right. if something weird right. happens. It's like, oh, but yeah, that's such a good it's such a good reminder. And maybe it's a good thing to sort of talk about out loud. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, well, it's funny. It sort of leads me to my tip, which is in some ways an extension. And uh, I, I think the reality is I so my tip is. Be prepared and open, however, if other families still feel hurt if you can't come. Mm-hmm. So this is a tricky one um, because I really agree with Christine that equating attendance and love is pretty oversimplistic. It's just not that simple. But let's be honest, people's feelings do get hurt. And, you know, there are so many feelings around the holidays. Sometimes, you know, people feel hurt or they feel possessive or they feel competitive with, you know, a different side of the family, or they're just so desperate to see you because they love you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it really is coming from that place so many times. Um, so whether they admit it or not, you know, people get legitimately hurt. And, you know, it's it's as hard as it is to set boundaries for yourself and your family. Um, it's so important to just acknowledge these feelings and discuss them and hopefully reframe them with this person who feels this way rather than just ignoring those feelings or dismissing them as, you know, oversensitive or whatever. I I think we just have to be prepared to really wade in with our family. I mean, these are, these are, this is our family. You know, this is what, this is what it takes to, to sort of make these transitions together. Yeah. You know, I'm really glad you brought this up because yesterday, knowing we were going to record this episode, I was chatting with Laurel and I said to her, I, I asked her, I'm like, well, what would your ideal holiday season look like, you know, between the different the different days? Because I was actually just truly curious. I wanted to know. And before she told me, she said, wait, do you mean if I don't have to worry about hurting anyone's feelings? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, the dynamics are complicated and kids tune into them very early, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, and that totally makes me think that, I mean, of course they do. And and it makes me realize that the more we can really model this respectful limit setting, you know, out loud, mm-hmm. model it out loud. And our kids see us having these conversations, you know, the more we give them permission to do the same when they have families of their own. I mean, it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to have to navigate their own relationships, too. It's such hard stuff. But it's, you know, it's good stuff. This is like the stuff of life. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that's. Um, you know, since you mentioned limit setting, actually, my next tip on this has been a really important one for our family, and it is to set time limits. Um, you know, so family get togethers are challenging for me. As you know, personally, I have a very difficult relationship with one one of my siblings that makes um, co-family gatherings difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And also, um, you know, Laurel and Violet, they aren't always game for big, crazy gatherings. I mean, I have six siblings. It's a lot of people. And then there's, you know, spouses and other kids. And it's it's just a lot. And it can be a wonderful lot and it can be an overwhelming lot. So sometimes we all just need a ripcord. Um, <laughs> eject, I'm press just, the eject yes, button. Exactly. I'm just imagining that image and it's really funny. But so what a great image. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we just have the right to know what our limits are and set them. So a while back, John and I, I think it was probably his idea because he has all the smart sort of therapeutically formed ideas. But we he suggested we 
decide and kind of agree together on what our time limit would be just generally. So no one's left stewing, knowing, knowing, not knowing what the plan is. And sometimes we'll adjust like in the moment, but at least we'll know what the baseline is. And I think the same goes for hosting. Um, whenever we host, we, we set very clear time limits and then we're okay kicking people out, you know, if they're kind of overstaying, <laughs> they're welcome. And it just being more direct about it is, right. it's just so much easier. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that whole sort of making some agreements ahead of time with your spouse or even with your kids, that is a, this is just a ninja tip that we should all remember <laughs> in so many different, in so many, I mean, same same thing, like even when you're shopping or when you're doing anything mm-hmm. together, it's really great to just have a couple agreements ahead of time before you start so that you're not stuck making those decisions in the moment. Mm-hmm. Very, very smart. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids, because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. So um, my next tip would be to consider whether hosting the event might actually be easier for you or your family. So or at least maybe trading off hosting, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, a holiday gathering or something. So we generally travel for all holidays. So my extended family, for various reasons, doesn't usually come. They just don't come to Portland um, for a number of reasons that are you know reasonable. It's not like it's a problem, but but it does put a lot of, you know, it's sort of puts the onus on us to be the travelers. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, when my kids were little, um, you know, I had one in particular who had really had a hard time with transition. So it was sort of, it was tough. It's gotten so much easier and my kids are fabulous travelers now, which I'm very grateful for. But anyway, um, one year uh, it, it changed for whatever reason. I had the opportunity to do the hosting and despite all the work, managing the food and figuring, you know, figuring out where everyone was sleeping and, you know, sort of keeping people entertained and all that. It was so comforting for my kids to be on home turf. Mm -hmm. It was really, really fun. And 
just the work faded away. And I got to hear, you know, what it was like to have my family members laughing and talking in my house. And, you know, the roles were reversed. So I got to take care of them a little bit rather than sort of constantly being the perennial guest, which Mm -hmm. it's nice to be a guest, but it can also sort of wear on you because you have that constant feeling of like, you know, like I don't want to impose too much. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's not like it's a constant thing in the foreground, but I really loved being in the caretaker role for once. Yeah. So it was actually, I felt like it was the easiest holiday I'd had. It was strange. Yeah, actually, this is my, my, um, I guess tip 5B related to your, but just when you mentioned being a guest and versus hosting, I would say one of the, if you are in a hosting role this, this season is one of the best tips, um, or just approaches I ever received. I think it was from my brother-in-law, Josh, who is, he's just awesome, John's brother. And I think when we went to visit him, I think this was how it worked out. I think this was from him, but he said, just so you know, um, when we have guests, we want you to help yourself to anything and we don't need to be together. We, we love being together and we don't need to be together all the time. And like, I just want you to make yourself truly at home, you know, and it was just, we have adopted that approach ever since, you know, we just want people to help themselves to things, you know, you want to both take care of people and then also not feel like you're waiting on them all the time. So, mm-hmm. and I think there's, you can just by being that one little direct statement, kind of welcoming, welcoming people into your home. It can just make it so much easier for everyone. And so you're not feeling all resentful, like later on in the visit when you feel like you're picking up everybody's water glasses all the time, you know? <laughs> you know, geez, it really, this really is about clear communication. This whole episode is about, <laughs> you know, direct and clear communication. It's yeah. funny. All yeah. right. Well, I have other thoughts on that, but we'll talk about that another time. Okay. All right. So tip number six, my tip is to take the plunge to experiment with a new tradition for your family and know that it can just be that, you know, just a one-time experiment. So I think it's fine to try new traditions and run with them if they work and not if they don't work. And so there was one year when John and I lived in Canada and we just decided not to travel at all for Christmas. And I will say it was it was both kind of awesome that we didn't have to go anywhere. And it was also a little weird and and kind of strange to be on our own. And so we actually did not do that again and didn't repeat it. But it was really a nice little exercise to realize that we could experiment with it and that we were the drivers of the scheduling bus. It was just, you know, I don't know why it takes us. It can be hard for us to do that as people, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it's really wonderful to just give it a try and then be okay with it not working. So that sort of blows my mind to think about new traditions as experiments. It actually sort of like blows the whole thing wide open for me because <laughs> I have this feeling like, well, but it's going to be a tradition. So it has to be right. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. The first time. But of course it doesn't. It's like you just try it and see how it works. And um, boy, that just sort of opens my mind to these new possibilities. Like it's funny uh, every now and then we sort of bat around fun ideas like, you know, what if we celebrated the holidays in a cabin or mm-hmm. what if we did a volunteer project or you know, or what if we got together, not at the, you know, prescribed holiday time? What if we got together later, you know, at different times in the year? And then actually, this is one we did do. And it was really, really fun. It's not always possible. What about hiring a sitter for a few hours so all the grownups could go out for dinner or for drinks or something? You know, OMG, like all the brilliant. or whatever. <laughs> no, seriously, it's super awesome to sort of break up the dynamics that way. It's mm-hmm. really fun to have a chance to be able to do that. Anyway. Um, just that whole idea of experimenting is great. Well, you are talking to a former experimental psychologist, so everything in life is, is an experiment. Oh, well, well. <laughs> I'm, I'm rubbing my hands together and cackling in my... 
<laughs> we will do human experiments. Uh, that's so funny. Um, so um, driving the scheduling bus. This actually brings me to my next tip, which is um, sort of in some ways the opposite of the last tip, which is once you find something that works for you, if you're uh, it's it really simplifies things with extended family to establish an annual tradition. So meaning, you know, we always get together on X holiday or, you know, we always get together the first week of July or something like that. I mean, if there if there is some part of your extended family traditions that you can really standardize and do the same way every year, it totally helps with scheduling. It helps with people's, you know, everything around the logistics, but it also really helps with um, people's expectations. You know, I think that uh, one of the thing that things that leads extended family members, you know, and sort of leads to a lot of hurt feelings is not knowing when they're going to see you or just not knowing what to expect. Mm-hmm. So knowing that, you know, every year at this holiday, we get together. That's just a nice, calming, you know, feeling for people. So that's just something to think about if it's possible. It might not be possible, but hopefully it is. Yeah, that's a good that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Okay, my last tip for the episode is this one is so important to me. Actually, it's so important to me all the time, but I think it's um, especially important during the sort of frenzy that can happen around the holidays. And it is to set up nurturing social time. So, you know, the reality is, as I mentioned, sometimes your family relationships will be challenging and complicated. Um, and really, right now, so few of us will have a family village and your, you know, perhaps your nearby friends become your family. So, as you're figuring your plans, I really think it's essential to schedule some of that nurturing time. So, for example, have coffee with the dear friend who loves you unconditionally. Run errands with your favorite sibling. You know, if you love baking, make cookies or something wonderful smelling with your kids. Just, you know, just it doesn't have to be long and involved, just a half hour here, an hour there. And just schedule in some things that make you just feel really, really good. So smart. And, and now, so and now I want cookies. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm like, I want something wonderful smelling. Oh man. Well, so, and I would add to that. Um, sometimes nurturing social time is time alone. Oh yeah. So I have a couple introverts in my family, and it took us a long time to figure that out. And me, who's an extrovert, you know, and who also really likes going along with the crowd and and not making you know friction push those introverts for a long time, like, come on, come on, let's all hang out together all the time. And hmm, that didn't go so well. So we finally figured that out. And, um, you know, people need time alone. People need to disengage sometimes from all that group activity. And I think we just need to, again, create space for that, make it possible. You know, if you're the introvert and your family doesn't get it, because not all families get it, um, you can, quote unquote, run an important errand for 30 minutes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that errand is to go to Starbucks with your book or or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But I mean, you know, I'm not saying lie to people, but I'm just saying that, again, let yourself have those times so that you can, you know, renew yourself for all of the, you know, family togetherness. Go to the gym, whatever it is you need to just feel yourself. I think it, this is good for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So that's actually I think that the most important tip and I think we should sort of mentally end on that. But yet I have one last little, very simple logistical tip. And that is to remember, this is sort of an extension of what we said before. Remember 
the long weekends and other little tiny spaces inside your year, these are also good times for family visits. So if for whatever reason you don't see your family over the holiday, don't ignore those little snatches of time for quick visits. I think sometimes, you know, just making the extra effort to visit extended family during non-holiday times really goes a long way to helping everyone feel feel prioritized and loved. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though, as Christine said, you know, attendance does not equal love. I do think that, you know, people do feel valued when you make the effort. And so, you know, just keep that in mind. Keep in mind that if, um, you know, there are those little times and it's it's OK to have a short visit. Um, just try to, you know, maybe reframe those times for yourself. Let's get to your next edit, Christine. Okay. What is it? Okay. My, your next edit is to identify a key holiday social pain point and make a plan to relieve it, even, even just partially. So it could be something simple, like if a social gathering is stressful, but you do want to attend and show up, you know, limit your visit to one or two hours, or it could be a bigger move. Um, you know, if you really hate driving around do- during the holidays, experiment with staying home entirely. Um, just, just try to at least make um, a plan to kind of, get yourself off the hook a little bit. Um, so you can just walk in enjoying it, knowing that you have that ripcord. Mm-hmm. Ripcord. Ripcord. Mm-hmm. What is your um, next edit, Asha? Mine is to identify one little tradition or food or activity that just really says holiday to you and your little nuclear family, you know, whatever it is, and then to prioritize and make space for it. Um, basically not to, you know, let, the things that you love get completely buried by everybody else's, you know, sort of plans and expectations. So whether that's looking at lights in your neighborhood or listening to particular songs, I mean, whatever it is, but before the bustle of holiday planning, really just that wave takes, takes over, just give a moment of thought to what really feels good for you and make sure that there's a little space for it in your holiday. Friends, I hope you are feeling inspired to work on editing out the stress and guilt around holiday gatherings this holiday season. You'll find the show notes from this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at Edit Your Life Show or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.